If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 140 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 22nd day of May in the year 2022. I gotta be honest, guys, I'm in a pretty good mood today. (laughs) Not only... Not only are the Yankees just pressing on, continuing to be the hottest team on the planet. I mean, you couldn't cool this team off if you doused them with a water hose from a fire truck. But also, aside from all that, (laughs) the weather, I gotta say this, is just finally just about as hot as my team is. Well, not quite, but let me tell you, this is the first sign of any true warm weather, which is also the first sign of really feeling like it's truly prime baseball time, which is really when I'm just in the center of all my happiness, just in my zen place, not only because of the baseball thing, but also just warm weather is my thing. I have an undying hatred for the cold, as so many of you know, and I have such a love for the heat, and the fact that this is all just the first signs of any warm weather, truly warm weather, it's in the 80s right now, and yeah, it's a little humid, but ask me if I care. (laughs) After how much I've been waiting for this, and the fact that it's going to be June in about a week and a half, I mean, let's freaking get it, man. Give me all you got if you're the Heat. I could not care less. Make it 115 for all I care. And I know there are a lot of people out there saying, Mike, you're freaking nuts. Well, again, ask me if I care. (laughs) My room window's open right now, and the whole nine. And I might end up closing it eventually if my room becomes a sauna, or if there's just too much noise outside. But hey, it's open right now. Uh, All that aside, I do hope you're doing well, (laughs) and I wanted to take a second to start the show here also to wish my mom a happy belated birthday here on today's episode, since her birthday was three days ago on Thursday. She's still as young and beautiful as anybody, and like I've said so many times, still, objectively, the best mom on the face of the earth, and I do pride myself on my objectivity, so it is just the truth. (laughs) But I love you so much, Mom, and I'm glad you enjoyed your birthday. And you also, like the rest of us, have got to be enjoying the Yankees, right? God, I'm a conversation transition master. (laughs) But seriously, guys, even since the 11-game winning streak, and we spoke about this last week too, and just for weeks constantly, we've just spoken all about this, but they've continued to stay as hot as ever. Anybody on planet Earth continuing into this past week even. The Yankees have now won 24 of their last 29 games. 
They now have nine straight series wins after the O's series win in Baltimore. And will have won 10 series in a row if they win even just one of these two games today in this doubleheader against the White Sox here on Sunday the 22nd. Because they already took game one yesterday. Friday night's game was obviously rained out. So if they just win one game today, 10 straight series victories. Incredible. And short of some struggles in the final game against the O's in Baltimore, and Michael King struggling yesterday afternoon, those struggles with the bullpen a bit, and the vast individual struggles of Aaron Hicks, who I've just gotten on a lot lately because, listen, it's deserved. Go look at the guy's stats. And a lot of the time, Gallo too. No team is perfect, but I tell you, other than that, those are just a couple of negatives, and no team is perfect. All facets of the team otherwise have still been firing on all cylinders. It's just nothing short of phenomenal what we have continued to witness here with Yankees baseball so far in 2022, except for the first week or two there. But since then, since they were 7-6, and six, what they've done since then is just nothing short of remarkable. And honestly, you almost feel like a broken record if you're a content creator who talks about the Yankees like me, because every single week or every single day, regardless, you know, just however often you do your content, I'm weekly. Some people do daily. Some people do every few days. Some people do every few weeks. I'm weekly. So every few weeks I come on here and all other content creators based on the Yankees must feel like too. You must feel like a broken record by now because every week you come on, every time you do your content, you come on and say the Yankees are freaking phenomenal. This is what they've continued to do and it's more or less the same thing as the week before because they just continue to be great. But this is what's happening without end. So what do you want from us? This is the deal. Uh, It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a joy watching this team do their thing every day, almost every day, because it's just a blast. It's a blast watching this team, all areas of it, just be successful, except for a couple of things here and there. But I tell you, when things are going as well as they are with the Yankees, the success even helps to mask those struggles, except for when those things come out and start to affect games, literally entire games. And hence, that's why people started to talk more about Aaron Hicks lately, because he, for instance, was a major effect on Thursday's loss, for instance, the only loss this past week. But when things are going well, those things are masked, and they're easier to deal with. So, no team is perfect, like I said. So, it's just been a lot of fun. Unfortunately, though, not to get into a sad tone, because there's so much positivity to go around, and I have more than mapped out all of it, proudly. (laughs) But there is also some bad news coming out of Yankee land for this week, having to do with injuries, which of course has been such a frequent factor, it can't even be said enough with the Yankees for the last, the better part of the last three or four years. (laughs) It's not even funny. But a couple of tough pitching injuries have surfaced in this past week. First and foremost, the first one that came around was Luis Heal. He was pitching in a minor league game, and he apparently signaled to the trainer. They came out and took him right out of the game because he did a gesture that basically said that he was done. He did that. He was like, I'm done. And that's never a good sign. So he came out of the game, and they later deemed that he needs 
Tommy John surgery. Now, of course, Tommy John surgery is unfortunately such a prevalent surgery done amongst so many pitchers in baseball, nearly all of them. Some people come into the major leagues and debut in the major leagues having already had Tommy John surgery. That's insane. (laughs) Some people have to get it multiple times. And the more you get it, the tougher it is to come back from it, obviously. It's like the biggest surgery a pitcher could get. Shoulder surgery is pretty bad, too, but you get it. It's devastating. You're basically getting a new elbow, having to repair the UCL ligament. So it's, it is just, it's really sad. He was such a young guy. All the promise that we saw from him whenever he pitched in the majors last year, he's been having a ton of control and command issues this year, and we saw a little bit of that in his start against the White Sox. He was a bit wild. But now he's done, at least for the year, getting Tommy John surgery. And unfortunately, it doesn't end there with the Tommy Johns. It has even affected the Yankees' major league roster with Chad Green. After his last outing, it was reported that he had right forearm discomfort. And we know from past Tommy Johns, even Severino, this was the case with him too, a start of it could be that they're experiencing forearm discomfort because obviously it's linked to the elbow, which is where Tommy John Surgery needs to be mainly operated on the UCL ligament in the elbow, the ulnar collateral ligament. So, right when it said forearm discomfort, I immediately thought, I was like, oh my god, he's going to need Tommy John surgery. And just today, about a half an hour ago, before I started recording here, it's about an hour or so, give or take, before game one starting in today's doubleheader. It's about a half hour ago or so, it was announced that He needs Tommy John surgery. Now, he's been off the team. He hasn't been available to pitch for a few days now, and we've all kind of been waiting in suspense for an official update on Chad Green because they hadn't really given us any updates. They were like, oh, we're still waiting. All that was said was that from Aaron Boone, it was deemed to be a significant injury. That was all we knew before about a half hour ago. And now they've officially confirmed that he needs Tommy John surgery. And that's very unique for Chad as well because the reason it is unique is because this could also very well be the last time that we see Chad Green in pinstripes. And despite all of Chad Green's recent struggles the last year or two, how many big games, leads, ties he's blown, regardless, put all of that aside. You never want to see that happen. This sort of a thing happen. Tommy John surgery to any given pitcher, athlete, anybody. Because even non-pitchers have to get Tommy John surgery sometimes. We saw it with Aaron Hicks a couple of years ago, and he's never been the same since then. Even on defense, as we've seen. Which I warned about in the offseason and before that, but I'll just sit quietly over here about that. But anyways, Tommy John surgery, you never want to see anybody get it. It is a devastating surgery, particularly, of course, for pitchers who make their entire living on throwing a baseball. It's sad. It really is. And if you're a big Chad Green fan, like I said, this is even worse because this could very well be the final time you see him in pinstripes. He's only signed for this year a $4 million contract, and then he's a free agent. And you especially never want something like this to happen in a year where you're heading into the next offseason as a free agent. Never a thing you want to happen, especially at this point in time. So, not, not what you'd like to see at all. I feel bad for him. Obviously, my trust in him has been very low ever since a chunk of last year 
because of all the games that he was blowing, and his fastball just does not seem to have the same effect on hitters that it used to. His curveball is just not effective. I just don't think it's a good pitch. I remember when he had a killer slider, he was even investing in a, in a splitter slash changeup a little bit there. I don't know what happened to those pitches. But he just basically completely threw in and invested on his curveball, which I think was never really a good pitch, quite frankly. And his fastball, again, just doesn't seem to be what it used to be. I'm not insulting Chad. This is just what I've observed and what is statistically proven over the last year or two, what he's done. I feel awful for him that he's getting Tommy John surgery. I hate to hear when pitchers get Tommy John surgery. But, I mean, could this be a reason for those struggles? Who knows? I would like to think that if he was experiencing this this discomfort before, that he would have said it earlier. But he hasn't. This has only become a thing now, and it's become an official announcement now that he's done for the year. And obviously, when you get Tommy John, it's basically an automatic, even if it's in the first week of April, that you're basically done for the year. The chances of you coming back within that season are remarkably low. I mean, it's it's basically a, a, a guaranteed no. So, it sucks to see. It really, really does. I hate to see this, especially, especially in a young athlete with a lot of promise and a lot of excitement and electricity around him like Luis Heal. But both Chad Green and Luis Heal, two players in one week, announced to be getting Tommy John surgery and are done for the remainder of 2022. Obviously, I, I am a lot more faithful in believing that Heal will be back because not only is he younger, but he's also still in the Yankees system. And you're probably not going to see him go anywhere unless his future after this Tommy John surgery just becomes awfully bleak and the Yankees just choose to let him go or what have you. But with Chad Green, Chad Green is obviously much older than Luis Hill. And also Chad Green is only on a one-year deal currently with the Yankees. So it is not too likely that you could see him back in pinstripes. You could. I'm not saying it's a definite that you're not going to see him in pinstripes anymore. But there's a pretty solid chance that you might not anymore. But again, it's just you hate to see any of this regardless of circumstance with contracts or age or anything. It becomes even more so with age when you're talking about a guy who is on the older side because, of course, the older you get, the harder it is to bounce back from injuries, especially a surgery like this. And Chad isn't old, but he's in his 30s now. But, of course, you wish both of them the best of recoveries. It's just, it's just terrible news. As far as replacing Chad Green, obviously, even if the guy did or has blown a lot of games in the last year or two, blown a lot of ties, a lot of leads, what have you, it's still going to be pretty tough to find somebody who can replace Chad Green or fill in for Chad Green and help fill that void of what he has done over the large spectrum of the last five years. And over the last five years, overall, he has been vital to the Yankees' bullpen. So, do you get somebody at the deadline? Do you maybe get another bullpen piece? Do you rely on someone in the minors? Because for now, at least, Ron Marinaccio is back in the majors. So I assume he's going to help fill that bullpen role at least for now. But do the Yankees look elsewhere for external help for the bullpen? Could be. Who they do go after or who they may already be looking at, nobody really knows yet. Or if they are even doing that. 
or if they do think Ron Marinaccio could somehow step up. Sometimes the Yankees do have those unbelievable stories that happen, and maybe that could happen for Ron. But for now, at least, Ron Marinaccio is in the majors, and he will be there in light of the Chad Green news. And it also stinks for Luis Hill, of course, if you need somebody to be a spot sixth starter like they did in Chicago last week, he's no longer an option. So they'll have to they'll have to figure something out with this. And of course, as far as additional roster news, today, of course, I did mention we have a doubleheader between the Yanks and White Sox. And usually when a doubleheader is played, of course, especially when you have as little amount of days off until Memorial Day as the Yankees have, even though they did have a night off on Friday, technically, because of the rain out, but they're making up for the doubleheader today. So it still all evens out to be the same amount of games until Memorial Day. But anyways, they usually call up a 27th man for doubleheaders, and they have again this time, and it seems to be their favorite 27th man recalled again, being Estevan Florial, who I honestly just wish, because of certain Hicks and Gallo struggles, that they would just give more of a chance to, especially because he's doing so well in AAA this year. I just really wish they'd give the kid an official shot already, but hey, that's that's neither here nor there. But Florial was recalled, at least for today, to be the 27th man for the doubleheader. And I assume after it's over, of course, once tomorrow rolls around, he will be right back in Triple A. Now, onto the topic that everybody is talking about since yesterday. And of course, if you are a content creator of any kind and you follow the Yankees, the White Sox, or anything, you obviously have to talk about this because it is all that it is being spoken about these last 18 hours or so. But obviously there's the beef going on between Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. And I hope to not spend much time on this at all because I do think that it's been blown a bit out of proportion. And this is truthfully something between Donaldson and Anderson alone, in my opinion. And I'm really not about stirring the pot, as they say, or getting too much involved in these situations between players. Let them freaking handle it, you know? But anyways, I'll start... By prefacing this, I'll I'll say this much. And I've said this before, nothing I haven't said already a million times. I am against any and all racism. And I've touched on this before, especially when things were as intense as they've been in a long time, when everything happened with George Floyd a couple of years ago, and certain cities burning down in the summer of 2020. You remember all that. I spoke about all of it, addressed it at the time, and any other time racial instances popped up especially pertaining to the sport. So there's there's definitely no place for racism, or shouldn't be any place for it, because for some, unfortunately, obviously, it still exists. And I also have never been much of a fan of Donaldson much, personally, as a person. I mentioned that plenty when the trade with the Twins went down. So, and if you don't believe me, when I say I've said any of these past things that I've said... All episodes during those respective time periods are available. All those Yapping Yankees episodes. All you got to do is find them and hear me say it. They are there. (laughs) So, now, for those living under a rock and not having heard about any of this yet, between Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson, they have not been getting along lately. And basically all of us thought that it was over the The silly issue of the tag at third base when the Yanks were in Chicago last week, when Donaldson tagged Tim Anderson just a little hard at third base. Well, it turns out that that was only a small piece to this 
now humongous, messy puzzle that everyone is going insane over. Donaldson, and this was confirmed by both himself and Tim Anderson, apparently called Tim Anderson Jackie, as in Jackie Robinson. They both said this was the case. Now, Donaldson said that this was in reference to a quote by Anderson in 2019, three years ago, when amidst tension with MLB, I suppose, Anderson referred to himself as a modern-day Jackie Robinson, pertaining to hopes of bringing back fun into the game. Which, truthfully, that's the part regardless that I'm surprised not more people are offended about. Any sort of comparison to him whatsoever. Because after all the crap that Jackie Robinson had to endure in his life, from anything in the window of intense booing, and slurs and name-calling, all the way to death threats, simply because of the color of the man's skin. For that reason, I think it's pretty unacceptable for anyone to compare themselves to him with everything that he went through, in any way. Whether it be on the field, off the field, doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter in any way. Even if it's strictly as a player, considering how much he went through as a player. And Tim Anderson is a fine baseball player. He's really good. That's objectively the truth. But I'm really surprised no one's taking more offense or making a bigger deal about that part. Roping Jackie Robinson's name in, in any way, into anything modern day. Jackie Robinson's life, difficulties legacy, it shouldn't be touched or compared to by anybody, in my opinion, if it's in any way other than honoring the man. So that's first and foremost to get that out there. Don't compare yourself to him in any way, and just don't even bring up the man's name when talking about your current struggles and then saying you're like Jackie Robinson. To me, that's insulting. <laughs> and I'm And I'm a white guy. And I greatly sympathize with Jackie Robinson's story and the stories of anybody else who went through anything similar to that back then. Or now. Secondly, and this is obviously up to everyone else out there to believe or not believe, I, I tend to believe it more so than not because he seemed pretty upfront about it and later apologized about it. So you can interpret it however you want, but... Donaldson, in coming forward with confirming what and- Anderson said, did say... And you can listen back to his post-game interviews for proof if you don't want to take my word for it. That him doing this, again, was in reference to that quote by Anderson in 2019. And he even said that the two of them even used to joke around about it back then when he first started jokingly referring to him as that. Again, after Anderson referred to himself as that, that being Jackie Robinson. He'd apparently, for instance, say, you know, what's up, Jackie, or hey, Jackie. And this apparently goes back to that point. Even when Donaldson was on the Braves at that time in 2019, it goes all the way back to that. Donaldson said all of this yesterday, confirmed all of it. And Donaldson made it sound like, eventually, I guess Tim wasn't okay with it anymore. And that's when words were exchanged and the conflict started, I guess. 
And fine, at that point, just stop doing it then, right? I probably wouldn't even do it at all, but <laughs> just at that point especially, just stop. Even if you think the person's being a bit oversensitive about it, best to just stop. It's like, whatever, just stop it. Again, at least that's what I'd do. I'd be like, okay, dude, if you don't like me saying that, I thought it was okay, but now that it's clearly not, I'll stop. Especially because I don't, again, I just, I don't think it's alright to even refer to or mention yourself or compare yourself to Jackie Robinson and then for another person to capitalize on it or make jokes about it. It's just not cool in, in either way, honestly. After everything that man went through for years. But regardless, like I said, Donaldson did confirm all this. He apologized and even reportedly offered to meet with Anderson. So as far as I'm concerned, from a public standpoint, at this point in time, it's between them. Yeah, we can give our opinions. I've given mine briefly here, but that's it. Beyond that, let them figure it out. But obviously, everyone and their mother, though, has to go ballistic on social media or otherwise and attack the hell out of everybody, since today's society, of course, has completely turned their backs on the ability to have civilized discussion or debate. And obviously, some people do make that impossible themselves, regardless of which side they're on. But in any event, people love to attack each other even if they're not directly involved, and they love to stick their nose in everything. That's just humanity. Now, the stance I'm taking is very similar to a lot of stances I've taken prior, with prior issues with players, regardless of what it is. Let them handle it. They're athletes. They're adults. Mostly. <laughs> so let them handle it. Your attacks against some random person on Twitter who disagrees with you isn't going to help the situation whatsoever. Hate to tell you, if you happen to be one of those people. I mean, so many are in an uproar about this. On one side, it's Donaldson's a racist piece of crap. I never liked him, and now I like him even less. Or, I liked him before, and now I can't stand him. And what he said about it being because of the article is him being a coward and not owning up to his racism, even though the 2019 article he mentioned is real, you can look it up. Or, it's Tim Anderson is oversensitive, or because he referred to himself as Jackie, then why is it wrong for Donaldson to call him that? Even though that's flawed too, because if Tim Anderson called himself something awful, especially a dire racial slur, that doesn't make it okay for someone else to do that necessarily. So, I mean, please, it's just... I mean, people are ripping each other's throats out over all this. Who saw that coming? <laughs> all I'll say, again, even if no one asks my opinion, even though, I mean, you're here listening to me, so you must care at least a little. If you don't, then why are you listening? Just tune out and go listen to someone else. But my opinion, again, to be as objective and level-headed as possible and not like a rabid animal, like 90% of humanity, is that, yeah, it's been proven that Tim did refer to himself as Jackie three years ago. So there's reason to believe that that's why Donaldson said things like, hey, Jackie, to Tim for a while. So I believe Donaldson is telling the truth about that. He's been very upfront about it. And the fact that it was happening has been confirmed, considering they both confirmed it. Donaldson claimed he was busting chops, and the two even laughed about it for some time until it seemed eventually Anderson became bothered by it. 
And again, that's up to each and every one of you to believe that part of Donaldson's statement or not. He otherwise was very upfront, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was the truth, but I'm also not out here saying it definitely is. I don't know. But that's up for you to interpret. And he did eventually, Donaldson, he did eventually come to apologize in his post-game interview. And later, again, even said he would meet up with Tim to smooth things over, I imagine, if Tim were to be interested. So, you know what? At that point, there's an apology, whether you think it's needed or not. And going forward, let's just both agree, if you're the both of them, how about we just both agree to not compare ourselves to or bust chops about Jackie Robinson? Both sides! Because even if the comparison from Anderson wasn't a full comparison in every single way to Jackie's life and struggles and what have you pertaining to Jackie Robinson himself, and even if Donaldson did think he was just busting chops, just individually, I just don't think it's okay to compare to or bust chops much about Jackie Robinson, period. After what that man had to endure all those years ago. And again, I'm not 100% sure what specific comparisons Tim necessarily meant by his statement years ago, beyond just bringing fun back. And I do believe that Josh really thought he was just busting balls. But how about we just not talk about Jack anymore, huh? In this light. Either side. Even if it was just meant as a joke, and I do believe it was. Can we all agree to that, at least? No matter what side of this you're on, that maybe both sides should just drop the whole Jackie thing, and that this is between the two of them now, let them handle it, they're grown men, they're professional athletes, let them settle it. I mean, the bench is cleared, yes, but no fights actually broke out, I should mention this, no actual physical all-out brawl broke out, no one was physically hurt or injured as a result of this, so for those reasons since this is now, believe it or not, being discussed amongst Major League Baseball officials, I really just don't think that potential suspensions are necessary, honestly, like there have been whispers about. But let's just not reference Jackie Robinson anymore, okay? A man who had to go through nothing less than hell on earth, okay? And let them settle it. I mean, just so many people, so quick to yell, that's racist! Or, oh, Tim called himself that, so why is he mad? Why don't you look a little deeper and be a bit less simplistic? You know what could have avoided all of this in the first place? Not referencing Jackie Robinson at all! On either side! With Anderson's comparisons and Josh busting chops about it! Those are the parts that dug me more than anything. Because when I think about Jackie, I feel awful whenever I hear everything Jackie went through back then. Whenever I'm reminded of it. Whenever we're all reminded of it. Horrible, vitriolic, inhumane hatred. And for what? There should be no modern day comparisons or busting chops about the man whatsoever. In any way. Why? Why is there? Even if it's just the name. So here it is, guys. I'll present a new opinion to you. Both sides are wrong. How about that? Those are my viewpoints. You want to disagree with them? 
You want to think that one side is right and one side's wrong or whatever you want to think? You want to think that I'm a fool? Fine, go ahead. I don't care in the slightest. I know my character and I stick by my opinions that I consider to be level-headed and fair. And I'm also a supporter of honest, civil discussion or debate about this sort of thing. I may sound very intense right now, but that's because of all the freaking discussion going on, all the irrational freaking hatred going on. It's ridiculous how people are ripping their throats out about this sort of thing. The one-sided stuff. Both sides are wrong, if you ask me. Don't compare yourself, and don't bust chops about it. And I also believe in letting people settle their own crap without sticking my nose too far in it, or at all. Forcing my opinion into everything like some people do. I mean, the only... A lot of people might say, Oh, Mike, you're, you're talking about your opinion. I mean, the only reason I even remotely give mine right now is because I do this show. And this is a heavily discussed topic right now that if you do any sort of content, it's inevitable right now, especially if you do any content surrounding the Yankees or the White Sox. So... And even all that aside, like I said, and like Donaldson said, he apologized and even offered to meet with Tim. So that's that. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. Done. Move on. Those are my thoughts, and we'll see what happens. If this fades away, if there are suspensions handed out, which I would really disagree with, honestly, or what have you. One thing I can tell you is that it ought to be an interesting doubleheader between the two sides today, that's for sure. And no, I couldn't care less about what that drunk Tony La Russa has to say about it either. Who, by the way, whether it be true or false, I won't pretend to know whether or not it is or isn't without further proof or lack thereof, has been accused of racism himself in the past. So yeah, I couldn't give a crap less about that guy's opinion. But anyways... Like I said, let's move on, both from this and just on to the next parts of this show. <laughs> because we've got a week's worth of games to recap up to today's doubleheader. And then for today's social media segment at the end, we're doing a Q&A. It's been a while since we've done that again, so why not? But first, Yapping Yankees Time Machine back to last Sunday for recapping. Let's go. Holy crap. <laughs> Alright, so I kind of lied, it turns out. <laughs> you wouldn't know any better because this is obviously a pre-taped show, and just the passing of time, you know, for all you know, I was just gone for a second while that sound effect of the time machine played, but I'm actually way in the future right now. <laughs> so, like you probably heard me say before while I was doing the introduction, I had started this recording about an hour or so before... The first game of the doubleheader started. Well, it turns out, right after I finished the intro, I just, I went outside to, out to my kitchen to go eat some lunch, and then I just ended up plopping on the recliner chair and watching the Yankee game and not able to get up. <laughs> so, I've actually been away from the mic for a couple of hours, and I just caught a breather. I just went to relax for a little bit after lunch, so right now, it's actually like 5 o'clock <laughs> at the time I'm recording right now. And a lot has happened since then, my god. So, 
this is extremely confusing to me, but the, the, re- the reporting was just all over the place going back to this morning. But a lot of people were questioning why Gallo's been out of the lineup for like the last two or three days. Some people were speculating just earlier today that, oh, maybe he was benched. Uh, you know, doesn't make any sense, though, because Hicks is still in there and Hicks has been even worse than him of late. And just all kinds of thought process going out there. <laughs> and everyone was confused. Like, where has he been? Well, then it was announced by Aaron Boone that he's been under the weather lately the last couple of days and to expect him in the Game 2 lineup. So, okay, that's fine. So he's been under the weather. And then, not too long after that, right before game time, about a couple hours ago, it was announced that he and Higashioka were placed on the COVID IL. And then, about a half hour ago during the game, right now it's around 5 o'clock and It's in the bottom of the seventh inning. Yankee offense hasn't done anything today. They're down just one to nothing, though. Tyone's done an amazing job. Um, Michael Kay announced that neither Gallo nor Higashioka actually have tested positive for COVID. And that they're on the COVID IL just as like a precaution. And it did say that Gallo was just in the clubhouse with the team earlier today, so I understand the precaution thing, but I did not know that players could be placed on the COVID IL without an official positive test. I didn't know that that was possible. (laughs) So it's just really confusing to him not feeling well and expecting Game 2, to him and Higashioka being placed in the COVID IL, to them being on the COVID IL without actually having tested positive. So the reporting has just been, like, really erratic today. It's been hard to follow. But, yeah, that's the deal with Gallo and Higashioka because by the time this episode comes out, you will have long have heard about all of this, but I'm just experiencing a lot of this in the last couple of hours while I was taking a break, and now that I'm finally back in front of the microphone a couple of hours later. (laughs) Oh, what a mess. So now they already announced their corresponding moves in response to this. So they transferred Ben Rortvet also to the 60-day IL in light of the knee injury that he got. We spoke about that last week. So three off the roster now. Sign Rob Brantley to a major league contract and select him to the 26th man. They recalled David McKay. <sighs> so, yeah, Ben Rortvet being transferred to the 60-day allowed a 40-man spot to be opened up. So, yeah, those are the corresponding moves. Gallo and Higashioka to the COVID-19 IL. If there is word of positive test results for them, I assume we'll get it at some point. And David McKay was called up from AAA, and so was Rob Brantley, signed to a major league contract. Honestly, rather than Rob Brantley come up to be the emergency backup catcher, I kind of would I kind of would just rather them put Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as the catcher because he could play catcher. I'd rather him just catch <laughs> and have Marwin Gonzalez play shortstop for the time being. I mean, I'd really rather that, but because Rob Brantley's not going to give you anything when he gets up here, but whatever. It's an emergency, so whatever. So a lot, a lot of hectic, hectic stuff going on. <laughs> a lot of chaos today. So um, right now they're in the bottom of the seventh. They got first and second with nobody out right now. And Marwin's up with an 0-2 count. Joe Kelly just came into the game. They took Cueto out. Cueto really had a hell of a start, man. So did so did Tyone. I feel bad for him. Tyone was just left all alone out there all day long. Just didn't do anything for him. The Yankees have six hits on the day. It's just that they haven't driven any any runs. 
They've gotten their traffic here and there. They haven't driven in anything. So, and Marwin just struck out. <laughs> oh, God. All right, so now, who's up next? I think it's I think it's Trevino. Yeah, it is. All right, so we'll, we'll see if Jose does anything. Hicks is on second, and Isaiah kind of for left is at first. You guys already know what happens by the time you're listening to this, obviously, but this is happening in live time for me while I'm recording, so just bear with me. So going back to last Sunday now, let's just talk about this game really quick. So last Sunday, obviously, was the final game in Chicago, and we were hoping that they would be able to win three out of four, and they would end up doing that. Nestor Cortez pitched, and my boy, again, pitched another masterpiece. Eight innings of one-run ball, only coming in the eighth inning, that one run, because he started to fizzle out and give up some hard hits there. Seven strikeouts, one run, and that run, one, that run was earned, of course. Three hits. Just incredible. An incredible start, and Clay Holmes closed out the ninth after him. And offense-wise, Aaron Hicks drew a bases-loaded walk, because walking is about the only thing he's good for nowadays. DJ LeMayhew did the same thing right after him to make it 2 to nothing. That was in the top of the second. Then right after that, a wild pitch by Michael Kopech. The White Sox starter drove in Trevino to make it 3 to nothing. And then there was nothing in the game until the 8th inning when Cortez gave up his only run in the game on a solo shot to Adam Engel in the bottom of the 8th. That made it 3 to 1. And then Joey Gallo hit his 5th home run of the year on a 2-run shot in the ninth inning to make it 5-1, to one, given some insurance. Then Clay Holmes, again in the ninth would wrap it up. Yanks win 5-1, to one, advanced to a 25-9 and nine record, and took the series in Chicago 3 out of 4, moved on to Baltimore after that. Trevino is actually having a decent at-bat right now. I'm just looking back and forth to the TV. Freaking games on Amazon Prime Video today. <laughs> the one later on is on ESPN, but... Oh my goodness. Let me just see this next pitch over here. Oh, oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Aaron Hicks. Oh my God in heaven. Oh my God. That can't happen. That cannot happen. He just got picked off at second. Oh my god. Oh my god. It took off so that cannot happen this late in the game. That cannot happen at all. That cannot happen. Wow. Aaron Hicks is making the Yankees beat themselves. How much more until this guy is benched, man? How much more? I'd rather Stanton and Judge just be out there at the same time. And then have Marwin out there. And then maybe after, once LeCastro comes back, play LeCastro more, because I'm pretty sure he's coming back soon. This can't continue like this. How long are we supposed to go on like this? This is crazy. I mean, I mentioned his, his struggles earlier, and I've mentioned them for weeks on end now. I mean, not only is he doing less than nothing at the plate, but again, his defense is even suffering, which I was concerned about in the winter, and everybody told me, oh, you have nothing to worry about. His defense was looking better in winter ball. I have every reason to be concerned because he's just being plain lazy out there, and he just has not been the same defensively since his Tommy John surgery. How long was I saying that? Nobody wants to listen to me. And now look at this crap, getting picked off at second base like a rookie. 
And here I thought something was going to happen this inning. I'm not complaining. I'm very happy with how they're doing. I got to preface all my rants with that because the Yankees are doing great. Trust me. I'm not complaining. It's just you cannot shoot yourself in the foot like that. That's how you beat yourself. And if you're Aaron Hicks doing as much, as many things wrong as you're already doing, you cannot afford a mistake like that. That just cannot happen. Look at, oh my, oh my God. <sighs> yeah, Trevino's hanging in there tough, having a good at bat, but you know, you don't usually get much from him offensively. So how much can you expect there? And 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 now just a wild pitch. Oh, great, great, awesome. Now they could have had second and third, one out, but thanks to Aaron Hicks, now there's only runner on second with two outs, and I don't think Trevino's going to do anything. You guys know I love Trevino, but I don't believe in him offensively very much. So this probably isn't going isn't to lead to anything. That's how you beat yourself. That's how you beat yourself. I'm going to drink a water because my throat needs it. <laughs> Aaron Hicks. I, I I don't know what to say anymore. I just don't. I don't. I just don't know how much more we have to watch of this. Monday, first game in Baltimore. Luis Severino started the game. I'm I'm just really ticked off now. <laughs> I really am. This is the bad part about having a game on next to me as I do the show because things like this happen and then I just get taken out of doing the show completely. <laughs> Severino started on Monday, six innings of one-run ball, really nice start for him, two walks, seven strikeouts, and after him, Luizaga pitched a scoreless inning in the seventh, Chad Green a scoreless eighth, and then Aroldis Chapman, making things interesting as always, because he always has to, pitched a one-run ninth, and the Yankees would win 6-2 to two on the night. Offensively in the top of the third, Giancarlo Stanton would get the scoring started on an RBI double. And speaking of Trevino, he had a three-run homer in the top of the fourth of this game, right down the right field line over that big wall in Baltimore. Awesome stuff. Loved it. I was going nuts because I love the guy. Four to nothing. Then then Santander got the Orioles on the board by scoring the only run off Severino in the bottom of the fourth on a solo shot. Then in the top of the ninth, Yankees added on more insurance. Donaldson solo shot. Rizzo solo shot. Back-to-back made it six to one. Santander again in the bottom of the ninth off Chapman six to two with a solo shot. And that would be the final score. Tuesday, this game was a heart attack game. Again, thanks to our main man, Aroldis Chapman, who gave up a run in the bottom of the ninth, but allowed three hits and damn near blew the entire game sky high. But Tyone started the game, did not have his best stuff, but kept the Yankees in the game. Five innings, three runs, six hits, only struck out two. Not an abysmal start, but also not the best, definitely. But the Yankees would still win 5-4, to four, and they probably would have lost if not for Michael King, who in between Tyone and Chapman pitched three perfect innings. Just terrific. Just a terrific job by him. Offensively, for the five runs, the Yankees scored one in the top of the first on an RBI double by Judge. They scored another in the top of the third after the game was tied at one on a solo shot by Judge. So Judge doing all the work. And then that wouldn't even stop. Because when the Yankees were down 3-2 to two in the top of the fifth, Judge homered again. His 14th of the year at the time. Tied the game at 3. DJ with an RBI ground out made it 4-3 to three in the next inning. And then in the inning after that, in the top of the seventh, Glaber on an error reached base. And that drove in Donaldson. It was an error by Ramon Urias. So that made it 5-3. to three. Then the bottom of the ninth, the Aroldis Chapman heart attack saw one run coming across for the Orioles to make it 5-4 to four and miraculously... 
The Yankees would hold on for the 5-4 to four victory. And Judge should have had three home runs in this game, probably in any other stadium. But again, I'm not one to complain about dimensions, and I'd be a hypocrite if I were because I always get on others for complaining about Yankee Stadium dimensions. So I don't want to be a, a big hypocrite over here. The Orioles' dimensions are what they are in left field since they moved that wall back a ton and made it even higher. Not many home runs are hit there anymore as opposed to before when it felt like a home run was hit into those stands every two minutes. (laughs) But that wall definitely took a potential three-homer game away from Judge, but the dimensions are what they are. Yankees won 5-4, so they took the first two of the series and would take the next one the next night with Garrett Cole on the mound. And Garrett had himself a nice start, very nice start, in fact. He didn't allow any runs until the sixth inning. He went seven total, allowing just two runs and striking out five, drove his ERA down to 289 at the time. And those two runs he did allow were in the bottom of the sixth on an RBI double to Austin Hayes and a fielder's choice RBI for Trey Mancini, both in the bottom of the sixth. That was to make a 3-2 Baltimore at the time with those two things combined. But the Yankees did all their scoring right away in the very beginning. After that, you didn't see the Yankee offense for the rest of the night, but Garrett Cole and the remainder of the bullpen being Clay Holmes for two innings in the eighth and ninth for the six-out save held him down. The three runs were scored on an RBI double by Glaber Torres, and two more runs were scored on a wild pitch and a throwing error by catcher Anthony Bamboom. So that made it 3-0 right away. And they wouldn't score for the rest of the night. Obviously, Garrett Cole only allowed the next two runs after that, and that was it. Clay Holmes pitched a scoreless 8th and ninth. Yankees won 3-2 and would seek the sweep on Thursday. And in an absolutely wild game and a rare game, I hinted to this before at the beginning of the show and hinting towards uh, some bullpen struggles, but this was part of it. So a wild game for the Yankees because basically almost nobody that pitched, whether it be Montgomery in the game not having the best of starts, but not the worst either, five innings, three runs allowed, seven hits, three strikeouts, or whether it be anybody after him in the bullpen virtually, basically everybody, nobody had their stuff as well as they usually do. So just a rare bad pitching day, it happens. And the Yankee offense would not give up, but ultimately when the final three runs were given up by Litke in the bottom of the ninth on the three-run shot by Anthony Santander, of course there's no way the offense could answer after that because that's the end of the game. But before that, the offense did all they could to hang in there. Giancarlo Stanton got the scoring started on a two-run single in the top of the first, which was awesome because the Yankees basically never score for Montgomery, so it was awesome to see that right away. But then Montgomery gave it right back in the bottom of the second on a two-run shot to, of all people, Robinson Chirinos. Former Yankee, of course, didn't really get to play because of injuries, but he can't really hit that well at all, and Montgomery gave up a two-run shot to him. And then, in the bottom of the third, gave up an RBI single to Jorge Mateo, former Yankee prospect. So that gave the Orioles a 3-2 lead. But then Giancarlo tied it up on his 11th home run of the year, a solo shot in the top of the fourth. Top of the sixth, the Yankees took a two-run lead on a two-run single by Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in an inning where the Yankees almost blew bases loaded and nobody out, thanks to strikeouts by Glaber Torres, who's been doing well lately, so it was hard to get mad at him. But of course, Aaron Hicks, because why not? But then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa came up afterwards and thankfully saved everything with a two-run single. Five to three after that. Bottom of the sixth, 
Miguel Castro and Chad Green both coming in to just cause disaster. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Tyler Nevin, RBI single, 5-4 to four Yankees. Cedric Mullins, sacrifice fly, tied up at 5. Rugnet Odor, RBI single, 6-5 to five Baltimore. But in the top of the ninth, the Yankees had gone quiet for a couple of innings. Now top of the ninth, they got something going, but they would not go quietly again. The Yankee offense never gave up until they just had no choice to. But DJ LeMahieu with a bloop single into right, tying the game at six, and he advanced to second on a throwing error by Anthony Santander, but it would end there. They wouldn't score anymore. Bottom of the ninth, Lucas Litke, who... When he came in in the bottom of the ninth, I instantly had no trust in. He's just been off this year, too, and I just do not believe in him much. He gave up a three-run shot to Anthony Santander, and that was the end of the game. Yankees lost 9-6. to Frustrating loss, annoying game, but in the grand scheme of things, I couldn't be too upset because the Yankees had still been winning a ridiculous amount. They took three out of four in Baltimore, had a great road trip, so... Annoying game and all, absolutely, but I couldn't be that upset. Friday, as I said, was a rainout. Saturday, yesterday, awesome game with Nestor Cortez and Dallas Keuchel on the hill. And by the way, the Yankees didn't score in that seventh inning. So, talking about today's game, by the way, <laughs> in game one. But, so yeah, now they're in the eighth inning. Nothing's really going on. They're in the bottom of the eighth now. Still one nothing White Sox. We'll see what happens, but... Before we go any further, concentrate on today's game anymore or go on to Q&A. Let's just recap yesterday really quick. So Nestor Cortez on the hill, again, didn't necessarily have his best stuff, but he hung in there. He did give up six hits, three runs, but that those three runs were just on one mistake on a three-run shot to Abreu, so really just one mistake. And he battled. He battled very well. He just drove up his pitch count a lot. He just took a while to get people out, a lot of deep counts. But he still went five innings, three runs, was in line for the win, and ultimately would get it. Struck out seven, so still not a not a bad start at all, especially because three runs were on one mistake. But not the best of starts because he, he didn't really have his best stuff. Michael King came in after. He definitely didn't have his best stuff. Pitched one inning, but again, tough to get mad at King because he is he's just been that good. He gave up three hits and two runs, but still had the Yankees up by a run by the time he was done. Luizica... Allowed the first two men to reach base, but would then strike out three in a row after that, so he pitched a scoreless seventh inning. And then in the eighth inning, Miguel Castro came in and got two outs, and then Clay Holmes would finish that off and get the final three outs as well in the ninth for the save. The Yankees would, of course, win 7-5. to five. And their offense, as far as scoring the seven, bottom of the second, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, RBI single, DJ LeMahieu, grand slam. <laughs> Do not see that often at all, but the Yankees jumped right out 5 to nothing right away. Right after that, though, in the top of the third was when Cortez would give up all three of his runs on the Abreu three-run shot. Then in the bottom of the third, the Yankees added on one more run of insurance on a Donaldson RBI ground nut that made it 6-3. to three. White Sox would get a little closer again in the top of the sixth. RBI double for Lurie Garcia and Josh Harrison making it 6-5. to five. Anthony Rizzo would pile on a little bit more of insurance on a sack fly in the bottom of the sixth to make it 7-5. to five. And as I just said before, that would end up being the final. Yankees win 7-5, to five, got their doubleheader today, are playing Game 1 right now. Game 2 will be later tonight on ESPN. I'll probably release this episode after that game is over. 
And that is your recap. <laughs> we are caught up, guys. And right now, as it stands, we are in the bottom of the eighth. The Yankees are running out of time to score here, so they are just down one to nothing. So one swing of the bat could do it. Hopefully, they get something going here. But uh, they are running out of time, and uh, DJ's leading off the inning right now. He uh, he's up at bat. Judge after him. Rizzo, of course, then Stanton. So we'll see what happens. They're facing Kendall Graveman right now. And uh, DJ, he's got a 2-2 pitch coming. Hang on. Oh, right to right field, and it's right at angle. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Please do something. Please. Aaron Judge is coming up. All right, in the meantime, while Judge comes up, let's do, let's start the Q&A. So, again, like a dummy, like I did last week, I just totally neglected to post on Instagram. I'm sorry to you Instagrammers. <laughs> I really am. I, I've just been so busy the last couple of weeks. You guys have got to understand. So, but I still did Twitter, because I usually always do Twitter, and then I go to Instagram later, but I've just forgotten the last couple of weeks. So, a Q&A. I'm only going to read the first 10 that I see right now, because we are almost an hour in already, so... Let us start with Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. And Rebecca asks me, what has been your biggest happy surprise of the season so far and your biggest disappointment so far? Thank you. Thank you for the question, Rebecca. Biggest surprise. I would say how great the pitching's been. Not that I expected nothing out of them, but I kind of would have liked an additional arm. I was talking about that all off season long, so... I mean, whether it would have been an A starter like Chris Bassett or Frankie Montes or the hell's his name, Sean Manaya, or just just anybody, any sort of improvement out there, and they didn't really do anything, so I was kind of iffy about that, especially given Severino coming back, starting a game for the first time since 2019, and you know who knows if Cortez could repeat what he did. Of course, he's done so and more. <laughs> Garrett Cole, of course, coming off the rough wild card game and. And, of course, he started off the season rough in his first couple of starts, has since rebounded, which is great to see. But I, I guess the pitching, yeah. I didn't expect them to be this good, even though they were this good to start last year as well. But, I mean, that was the only thing keeping them even somewhat afloat last year because the offense was so brutal for most of the year. But, uh, yeah, I would say the pitching. The pitching's been a very pleasant surprise. I'm very happy with the pitching. And there are other things. I'm also very happy with... Of course, how Judge and Stanton are doing, but I, I predicted that, so I'm, I'm not surprised about that. I'm happy with how Isaiah Kiner falefa on the whole is doing, um, even though he, he went through his rough patch there, but he seems to be waking up recently again. Uh, you don't expect a guy like him to go into too long of a slump. Uh, so the, the Minnesota trade, I guess, is going a little bit better than I thought it would, so I'm happy about that. Biggest disappointment has got to be Aaron Hicks. I mean, did you did you hear me just before and all the whining I've done about him on social media and otherwise? I just I can't stand watching him play the way he has anymore. I just can't do it, especially given my prior concerns and seeing that basically all of them are valid right now. <laughs> He's definitely the biggest disappointment. He has to be. He he absolutely has to be. Oh wait a minute, Judge Judge, did he go deep? He went deep. Let's go. Let's go! Tie game! Judge just tied the game! We have life! There's life! <laughs> Holy crap! Let me see a replay of that. Come on, play it again. 
Oh, I got to find a way to get this back on my phone. When I, when I can see replay, I'll, I'll watch it again. My God. Aaron Judge, 15th home run. Oh, my gosh. What a beautiful man. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Oh, come on. You got to win the game now. You can't tease like this. You got to win now. Now you have to win. Oh, good God. All right, let's go with the next question for now. <laughs> Laura Eismont, at Laura underscore Eismont. Let's see what Laura asks. She asks, with Green most likely done for the season, who would you like to fill his spot in the bullpen? Uh, that's that's a tough one. They, they might have to make a move at the deadline, or maybe they'll just, I don't know, rely on Marinaccio for now. Maybe look in an arm like Medina, or maybe... You know something, now that I think about it, you know we haven't seen too much of, strangely, and I was even wondering if he was even hurt at one point because he was barely even being used. We haven't seen Wandy Peralta much at all. So maybe if you just start using him more often again, maybe Wandy Peralta slide in and take his place because, you know, it's... it's We haven't seen much of him at all. But no, I definitely think that at the deadline, if anything, there are two positions that are in need for the Yankees. They definitely should find a Hicks replacement because I'm just over him at this point. He's probably going to come up in this inning now that I think about it. And uh, if the Yankees keep on going here, then he'll find it at bat. But yeah, they need a bullpen replacement. They definitely need help with that now that Chad is done. And they definitely need help in the outfield. They need to get one more person because between Hicks and Gallo together, I know since the last week of April, Gallo had been doing more, but again... He's just far too streaky in his overall numbers, except for a couple of them. And Hicks, besides his walk rate, there's just really nothing there. You need more reliable outfielders, I think. That's just my opinion. So, I don't know, maybe you look externally, Laura. Maybe you look within. While I think Marinaccio has talent, I don't think he has what it takes to really do what Chad Green did for all those years. So... I don't know if you can necessarily rely on him long-term. It might require going outside the organization. We'll have to see. But um, definitely worth thinking about. I would definitely start... I mean, you kind of have to now, especially. But I would definitely start to use guys like Wandy Peralta much more. And honestly, not not for nothing in the bullpen. Y- you could honestly afford to just blast a roll of Chapman into the sun, too. This guy's making $18 million this year, and he really just has not... He just has not done well. And now that it's one-to-one, he better not see any of this ball game right now. I actually just realized Anthony Rizzo hit a double, and then they intentionally walked Stanton. So now they got first and second with nobody out. Game is tied up at one. They they better not lose this game. Come on, guys. Come on. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, I just I really don't want to see Chapman anywhere near this game. But Clay Holmes has pitched quite a bit lately, so we'll probably have to. And I imagine nothing good is going to come out of it because I just have zero, zero trust in the role of Chapman. I talked about having no trust in Litke before. How about a a role of Chapman? I got none. (laughs) So, getting tired of him too. But, yeah, it's definitely worth thinking about what they could do. Go outside the organization. Do you look within? You got some arms down in the minors. By the way, I just saw that home run by Judge again. My God. God, that was a nuke. Oh, my God. What a freaking bomb. <laughs> Jeez. But, yeah, as far as other arms, that I do know that I, I read an article from Brian Hoke earlier today, too, 
I know that Herman's not far from coming back, but how much could you rely on him, even if just as a bullpen piece, because he hasn't pitched at all yet this year? It's easy to call on Steven Ridings, but even he's still a little bit of ways off. He'll probably be back at some point fairly soon, but he's still having his injury problems, so it's tough. You might have to go outside the organization, Laura. Next up, we've got Tom at Baseball Tzar asking, can a white person say whether Josh... Josh's comment was racial. Uh, dude, just go back and listen to what I said before. I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm moving on. At NYY Sportsfan96 asks, Thoughts on the Yankees going 29-10 and 10 in their first 39 games? They would need to prove it when they face tougher opponents in the Rays, Astros, and Angels. Well, thoughts is I think it's freaking awesome. <laughs> Every week I've spoken about all the facets of the team that have been working, and it's just terrific to watch. As far as tougher opponents, they've faced tough opponents already. they faced the Blue Jays a ton and took care of them. They made easy work of the Cleveland Guardians who came into their series in Yankee Stadium when they came here with a really good run differential and were on a complete hot streak offensively and the Yankees quieted them down. So the Yankees have played some pretty decent teams so far. They've also had a bit of a softer schedule at times, but hey, what are you supposed to do? I've spoken about this all the time, how ridiculous it is when people shame teams for having an easy schedule or beating bad teams. What, do you want them to lose against the bad teams? Your job is to go out there and beat the bad teams. You have to beat the bad ones too. How many times have I gone on this rant, people? So I've had enough of just people say, oh, you just face the easy teams. They haven't done anything yet. You have to beat the bad ones too, geniuses. What are they supposed to do? Go out there and lose? But yeah, they are facing the Rays for the first time, I and mean, it's crazy. It took until almost June for them to face the Rays once. They're going to be facing Tampa on the road next week, which actually reminds me, I forgot to do what's ahead for for recap. Well, it's pretty friggin' quick. I could go through it. Tomorrow on Monday, they're facing the Orioles at Yankee Stadium for a three-game set starting the first game tomorrow. Cole on the mound, 7.05 Eastern. 7.05 Eastern for Tuesday, the 24th as well. Montgomery against Zimmerman. Wednesday, 7.05 as well. Then Thursday, they go to Tampa for four, starting on Thursday over next weekend. 6.40 p.m. on Thursday, 7.10 on Friday, 4.10 on Saturday, and 1.40 next Sunday. So that's what's ahead, just really quick, now that it reminds me, with them playing the Rays next weekend. So yeah, we will see what, what they'll do. When they do face teams like the Rays and the Angels and the Astros, it ought to be interesting. But I think the Yankees can hold their own so long as the team holds up. At A Rob 644-83434 asks, Yanks play Tampa Bay for the first time this year on Thursday in a four-game set. Thoughts on the series or anything you're looking out for? Well, just what I'm looking out for in general is how the Yankees handle them in every facet, pitching, hitting, and just how they do in that series, how they play in the Trop, which has been a house of horrors for them for years now. And Tampa's played them tough for years now and has made things very hard on them. So I'm very curious to see how just, just how they do in their first series against Tampa Bay for this year in Tropicana Field in general. That's more generally just what I'm looking for. And if they could split, that's okay, I guess. It's fine. If they could take three out of four, that's awesome. And if they could sweep, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> so I guess that's just what I'm looking for, how they, how they hold up in every facet. My friend James at Rebirth Chaos 9 asks, With the news that Chad Green is out and with Hicks and Gallo struggling, what moves can the Yankees make between now and the deadline? I don't see the Yankees making any moves anytime soon. I think they're going to rely on what they already have, at least for now. 
at the deadline, like I said, they should definitely get, at least look into getting an outfielder and get a bullpen piece. Honestly, with all the news coming out today with Gallo on the COVID IL now and Hicks just being awful, this is just more something I've been putting thought into more recently, so I haven't even gotten into looking at more in-depth names, let alone just how freaking busy I've been also just screwing everything up, but... They definitely need bullpen help, and they definitely need outfield help now that this is all happening for sure. They could definitely look within the organization, because if you look within the organization, I mean, like I said, you do have some arms down there. But again, are they ready to go, and are they going to perform to the stature that Chad Green did for his first few years in the Yankees? It's doubtful. It's tough, but... You do have your arms down there. You have Ken Waldachuk, you have Hayden Wesneski, you have... Luis Medina, you have a few arms down there. But are you going to put that kind of stress on them right out of the gate to replace Chad Green? <laughs> That's another story. And you could use Ron Marinaccio. I would just use Wandy Peralta a lot more often because, like I said, just we haven't seen much of him, believe it or not. It's really weird. They should be using more of him. So as far as outfield options, I see people speculating about Juan Soto constantly. I'm sorry, guys. It's just not happening. So just get out of fantasy land right now. <laughs> I hear people still going on about Brian Reynolds. I doubt that's happening, as lovely as that would be. But, yeah, they definitely need to make some moves here. Honestly, like I said earlier in the show, I would just like to see Estevan Florial get a shot at this point. The kid has been in the minors forever. He's having a good year this year, and they just don't have anything left to lose when you compare that to Hicks's or Gallo's production so far overall this year. I don't know why they are so hesitant and just reluctant to give this kid a shot. I mean, especially now that he's already back up as the 27th man in this doubleheader, I imagine we'll inevitably just see him sent right back down right after tonight is done, but... I don't know what their hesitancy is with this kid. Just give him a shot. <laughs> so that's what I would do, at least for now, until a potential external move is made later. Who knows? But just give Estevan a shot. Oh, God, they're going to the top of the ninth, and Chapman's coming in. Oh, God in heaven. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is not going to be good, isn't it? Oh, boy. All right, well, let's do another question. Up next, we've got at yit Z-I-Y-I-Y. The hell? <laughs> okay. They ask, do you think the Yankees pitching will get burnt out as the season progresses? And do you think heel Tommy John surgery is a big loss? What's your take on that and how it'll affect the team? Thanks, Mike. You're the man. Love your podcast. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. You're the man, too, for asking the question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if the Yankee pitching will get burnt out this, this season, I mean... Not if the starters continue to do what they do. They have they seem to constantly just consistently be going five, six innings every night, even more so. Tyone in game one going seven innings. That's big. Only two innings for the bullpen to eat with another game tonight. So maybe it will, but if things stay as they are right now, I, don't, I think they'll be okay. Pitchers will inevitably be tired by the end no matter what. Inevitably. That's what always happens. It's a long season. But uh, they just got to keep it going now with what they've been doing, given length and not having the bullpen be taxed too much because we saw that happen a bit last year. And heel Tommy John surgery, yeah, it's a pretty big loss because they won't have that guy to take out of the minors again for a potential sixth starter slate in for one day like they did in Chicago. That's no longer an option. And of course, that takes away from his development time too. Tommy John surgery, that's as big as it gets pretty much, except for certain shoulder surgeries maybe. 
But yeah, that's that's a tough loss. It is. Alrighty, Chapman's in now. He's got he's gonna get started shortly. Up next we have at Ashling BD one, and Ashling says. Who are your favorite MLB players that aren't on the Yankees is her question. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Juan Soto is definitely up there. I love Juan Soto. Absolutely love the guy. I love Mike Trout. Absolutely love Mike Trout. Believe it or not, I'm actually not that big a hater of Bryce Harper. I actually, I actually like him a bit. I know that might be a hot take for some people. I know a lot of people don't like Bryce, but I don't have that big a problem with him. Um... I would definitely say Mike Trout and Juan Soto are definitely like one and two. I like Nolan Arenado too. Freddie Freeman. Love Jacob DeGrom. Uh, Just a few off the top of my head, I guess. Yeah, I I love all of them, but especially yeah, Mike Trout and Juan Soto for sure. Those are two towards the top. And yeah, now that I think about it, Jacob DeGrom is definitely up there too. Love him. It's just a shame that he can't stay healthy. Shame for him and the Mets and for the sport. Oh my God! He did. He did. He did not. Chapman did not. Oh my God! What the hell, man? What is his problem? What is Chapman's problem, man? Gives up a home run to AJ Pollock right at the beginning of the inning. What a freaking bum, man! You're getting an honest knee-jerk live reaction right. This is just ridiculous, man. It sucks that the Yankees didn't capitalize at the bottom of the eighth there, but of course Aaron Hicks had to pop out to end the inning. What the hell else is new? But then Chapman comes in in a tie game in the ninth with is just asking for trouble. And right away, just gives up a nuke to A.J. Pollock. Right away. Right after the Yankees tied the game. Yeah, the, the offense has been dead silent. They could have added on more in the 8th there, so the offense, I guess, is to blame a bit for this game. But just how could you not be mad at a world as Chapman, man? How could you not? And what was I just saying before? How much of the things that I say end up coming true? How I just don't trust him in the slightest, and he comes in today and just does that right away. Unfreaking believable I don't have any words left for this guy. This guy is making $18 million this year for what? What purpose does Aroldis Chapman serve in this bullpen anymore? Someone answer that question for me. He just doesn't have it anymore. The velocity isn't even really there anymore. He's airmailing pitches, fastballs that are only 94, 95 now to the backstop. He barely uses his splitter anymore. The slider's the most reliable pitch, but he he even hangs that a bunch. What is he good for anymore? And they're talking about him coming back next year. He shouldn't even make it to the deadline at this point if he keeps pitching like this. This is crazy. Screw the deadline. I want him gone now. (laughs) Oh my God, I've seen enough of this. I've seen enough of Chapman just not having it. He's just nowhere near what he used to be. It's done, man. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. And I'm not one to just, after one outing, say, oh, get him off my team. But this is another story. This has gone too far at this point. I'm very fair and level-headed with this sort of a thing. But now with Chapman, it's just gotten to such a point. It's done. It's done. I'm checked out with this guy. 
If it's possible to have less than no faith in somebody, right there. <laughs> God, you just have this pit in your stomach every time you even see him warming up out in the bullpen. I'm so over it. Unbelievable. Him and Hicks, strap them to a rocket and send them to the moon already. Freaking ridiculous. Let's keep going with the Q&A. At Mountain Gal 456, my friend Tina says, Now that some time has gone by in the season, what do you think about Boone sitting players? Do you think it's helping each player that sits and the team as a whole? Thank you, Mike. Well, thank you for asking the question, Tina. Uh, there are definitely certain days where certain players are definitely not happy about sitting, like Aaron Judge when he had that killer game in Baltimore. He joked afterwards, he's like, well, I was pissed that I had the day off yesterday. <laughs> so I'm sure some players aren't happy about getting frequent days off. They want to keep playing. And it is annoying to watch if you're a fan to watch guys sit, especially when they're hot. So it's annoying to deal with that. But, I mean, the health for the most part, Wood right here, has been really good. Except for the pitchers, you know, nothing can be done about that. That's what it is. But on the field, it's been good so far. So the rotation of players, the rotation of the DH role, it's all good. So it must be going well, and something must be done right. So, yeah, despite it being annoying at times, I can't really complain. It's going pretty well. Spencer at Musician DMD asks, You and I predicted Loisago would make the All-Star team. Why didn't either of us remark that Nestor could make or start the All-Star game? I don't know, man. It's interesting. Especially after the season he had last year, it was always possible. But it is also valid to question whether he could have or couldn't have repeated that this year. But he has. He's been crazy. And also, he asked, in my opinion, having Stanton play the outfield at the season's start has been a factor amongst factors in the New York Yankees' early success. Any thoughts on that? Uh, you know I'm going to agree with that, man. I've been whining forever for Stanton to play the outfield. Forever. <laughs> All right, let's see how much more. I did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and so that was ten. All right, so I'll do a couple more. I'll do the final last two like usual. My girlfriend, Vic's Limo, and my mom, as always. I'll finish off on that. If I didn't get to you, as always, just keep on... Keep on asking and replying away each week with the social media segment, guys. I'll get to you eventually, I promise. So my girlfriend at Vic Salimo asks, So my question for you is, do you think we'll have a Yankees and Mets World Series? And if so, what are your predictions for how it will go? Well, yeah, we obviously know it's no secret both the Yankees and the Mets are doing very well, so it's always possible. Even though the National League has other great teams like the Giants, the Dodgers, the Brewers are doing very well, so... There definitely are teams that could make a running against it with the Mets. The Mets are doing a fantastic job, especially in the NL East. I mean, they're up by like, I think it's like seven games now. I'll have to double check that. But no, it's actually eight games. Yeah, it was seven. I was right about that originally. But the Mets did win already today and the Braves lost. So yeah, it's eight games up on the Braves and the Phillies who have identical records. So yeah, I mean, it could happen. And I would love if it did. I mean, I always say how much I wish I was old enough to understand and to be a baseball fan to see the 2000 World Series. I would have been in my glory seeing the Yankees beat them in five. <laughs> uh, how it will go? I honestly overall believe that the Yankees are the better team right now. If they faced each other right now, I think the Yankees would win. That's not bias. I just, I truly mean that objectively. Um, I think the bullpen is better. I think the Yankees rotation, the Mets rotation is really good. Really, really good. 
but I think the Yankees rotation is is about matching up with theirs. The Yankee rotation is really good right now, and I do think the Yankee offense is more well put together than the, than the Mets. The Mets do have some underperforming players right now. Lindor's not getting it done really as much, and they just got some underperformances going on in that lineup right now. So I think the Yankees would have a slight edge over them. But the Mets, of course, to get to the World Series would have to run through teams like the Giants and the Dodgers, and that is not a guarantee by any means. So it would be really exciting, but I do think the Yankees would get the edge as of right now. I can't speak for October. Who knows where either team will be by then, but it would be really good. Regardless, that I can tell you. Last but not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom asks, I'm impressed as hell at our boys. Watching baseball is fun again after the last two years. As far as what happened Saturday with Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson, I believe he was joking as he had in the past, and it wasn't an issue then. So I think he's surprised at how he reacted this time. Either way, he apologized and seemed mortified over it. Now can we move on and bask in the beauty of this fabulous Yankees baseball season? Yes, please. Mike, my question is, is this streak of good playing now longer than that last year's streak when we were in Italy? Yes, I know that was a winning streak with no losses, and here we had a few losses here and there, but they keep bouncing back after one loss. Do you think they'll keep up? And second question is, what will it take to bench Chapman? He's no longer closing material and is giving me a breakdown. (laughs) Uh, When you asked this question today, had not even happened yet. (laughs) You gotta love it. Um, Yeah, with Josh and Tim Anderson, listen, I gave all my opinions on that before. I'm not repeating myself. Um... So yeah, hopefully we can move on from that. And yeah, when we were in Italy last year, that was the winning streak you're talking about, I believe was the 13-game winning streak. I believe it reached 13. And last year was an awfully streaky season, though. That was a massive high, and then of course they went right back down to low after that, and then the season would end the way that it did. So yeah, I would say this is more impressive because they won 11 in a row this time, And then even when that streak ended in Toronto, they got right back to winning. They lost again, got right back to winning, lost in Baltimore, and now they already won the first game against Chicago. Looks like they're going to lose today in Game 1. But then they could get right back on the horse tonight in Game 2 and win Game 2 and still take the series. So, yeah, they keep on going. Even after they lose a game, they'll get right back on it. Whereas last year, they couldn't be consistent if a gun was to their head. So, yeah. Even if that winning streak last year was a couple of games longer, maybe, I would consider this year a bit more impressive. Yeah, I I definitely would. I mean, as I said before, they've won 24 of their last 29. And Chapman, I mean, listen, they need bullpen help, and now that Chad Green is done, they need even more help. But yeah, I would say that they they definitely they need bullpen help, like I said. Because I don't trust Chapman as far as I can throw him. And I don't think anybody does. Not a single person is left that does. And they need help with that. They do. I definitely think they need some arms. But for now, they really need guys to either step up or just keep doing what they're doing. Miguel Castro, Michael King, Clay Holmes, Jonathan Luizaga, Lucas Litke, Ron Marinaccio now, Clark Schmidt, Wandy Peralta. And now David McKay, who they just called up. People are going to either have to stay hot like they've been in the cases of guys like Michael King and Clay Holmes and others who have been struggling a bit or just haven't even pitched that much. They need to step up with Chad Green being done now and with Aroldis Chapman being what he is because he just stinks lately. He stinks. So, and, and until they can afford to get somebody else, yeah, those guys need to hold down the fort for now. That's all there really is to it. 
But I said it last, we can all say it again. Right now, Clay Holmes is my closer. That is my closer. But guys, unfortunately, the Yankees are about to lose game one here. But uh, hopefully they bounce back in game two. We'll talk more about that next week. Because for now, that is all for episode 140 of Yapping Yankees. Please remember to follow me on all socials if you don't already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, at Mike Scuds 97 Please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube. Leave a review on all the others. Show your love. And if you missed any past episodes of Yapping Yankees, well, don't worry. Episodes 34 up to 140 today are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, all the way back to episode one, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But once again, as always, my friends, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, May 29th, when I come at you with episode 141 of Yapping Yankees. And I might have to tape on Saturday and then release the episode on Sunday, because I will be going to a barbecue at my dad's house for Memorial Day weekend next Sunday. It's going to be a really hectic weekend, so I'll do my best to fit an episode in. And if anything, I will keep you posted on my socials throughout the week. All right, guys? Until then, hang in there. Be patient. Please stay safe. Look out for your loved ones, and let's hope the Yankees have another great week ahead of them. Enjoy your week, my friends. Talk to you next weekend. Take care.